time for episode 142 of Monster Kid Radio. We thought we'd kick it off with the song Blood Drinkers Only. It seemed appropriate, and I'll tell you why in a second. That song is by the band Beware the Dangers of Ghost Scorpion. It appears on the album Blood Drinkers Only. It's on this episode of Monster Kid Radio with their permission, and we're playing this song because we're talking about one of the original blood drinkers. We're talking about Nosferatu, specifically the 1922 film, and we're talking about it with horror host Dr. Gang Green, a.k.a. Larry Underwood. I am your host of Monster Kid Radio, writer, producer, Derek M. Cook. I want to welcome you to the podcast devoted to the classic and sometimes not-so-classic genre cinema of yesteryear. I'm excited to have you here. I'm excited to have you listening. I'm excited to have you taking part in this episode because at the end of our discussion with Gang Green about Nosferatu, well, he talks about a way that you might be able to get your hands on some free Vincent Price movies with a contest that he's running. So you're going to have to listen to that to learn how you can win. You can help him out on YouTube. Well, you know what? I don't want to spoil it. We're going to let Larry tell you about it at the end of our conversation about Nosferatu. Before all of that, though, let me tell you about our website, monsterkidradio.net, is where you can find everything you need to know about Monster Kid Radio between episodes. From here, you can find links to everything, like every song and band that's appeared here on the show. There's a link for that. There's a section just called links that'll take you to places like Dr. Gangreen's website and other websites that have supported us people who have been on the show, that sort of thing, and our Patreon page, which Larry's going to talk a little bit about as well. So again, I don't want to steal his thunder. We have a Live 365 internet radio station. Live 365 is where you can listen to music on your computer or on your smartphone. It's free, so you don't have to put up with some ads, or you can pay for a premium membership to get rid of those. Monster Kid Radio's Live 365 radio station is nothing but music and trailers from classic monster movies from the 30s to the 60s with the occasional bit of music from maybe the 70s or even the 90s. I threw in some music from the movie Ed Wood because, hey, it's in our wheelhouse. You're also going to find our contact information over there at our website, which is monsterkidradio at gmail.com. That's our email address. Our voicemail line is area code 503-479-5657. That's 503-4795-MKR, as in Monster Kid Radio. We also have a link to our Facebook group where you can get involved in various discussions with Monster Kid Radio listeners. And, of course, we have a Facebook page, but we don't have a link to that. So just look up Monster Kid Radio on Facebook. Also on the website, over on the left, is a special thanks section for our Patreon patrons. I want to give a shout-out to Maya Duncan, who is one of our patrons. Thank you for your support, sir. All right, I want to get to this conversation with Larry. So we're going to do that right after this, so stay tuned. Hammer Film Productions began in 1934, and after producing almost 200 films and television programs, the studio is still releasing and re-releasing new and classic film titles. 1951 Downplace is the podcast that brings you the story of the great Hammer films, one movie at a time. Here are your hosts describing what Hammer means to them. First is Casey. Hammer means the beautiful and glamorous women of Hammer Horror, the engaging storytelling and amazing period films. Joining him is Derek. Hammer means the incredible work of actors like Peter Cushing, Christopher Lee, and even Michael Ripper. The gothic storytelling, the incredible music, and the set pieces. And finally, here's Scott. A port city in the Canadian province of Ontario and Canada's 10th largest city. This boy has a lot to learn. 
Join our hosts as they make their journey through the Hammer Films catalogue and discuss each film with critical opinion, historical facts, production notes and other information about these classic films. 1951 Downplace can be found in iTunes or their website www.1951downplace.com Oh, sorry, I thought you said Hamilton. 1951 Downplace, the home of Hammer Films discussion. Monster Kid Radio wants you. If you have wiki skills, here's the thing. Monster Kid Radio is going to be putting together a Wikipedia Cyber Street team. If you are skilled in the ways of Wikipedia, if you can speak their language and code their coding, we would like to ask you for your help. Now, this is not a formalized campaign or anything like that, but if you ever hear anything about any of the topics that we talk about here on Monster Kid Radio that you think needs to be on Wikipedia, well, go ahead and do it. Monster Kid Radio does have a Wikipedia page. So you can go ahead and link back to us over there. We're just trying to get more information about these movies out into the general public, kind of make it a little bit more common knowledge because you know, the more people who know about these movies and know the trivia about these movies, the better. The more monster kids there are, well, the more people we get to go see awesome movies with and talk about movies with and go to conventions. I mean, it's part of our spreading the word and fighting the good fight for these films. So if you know how to use Wikipedia and you hear somebody mention something about Nosferatu, Creature from the Black Lagoon, House of Wax, Destination Interspace, any movie that we've talked about here on the show, we'd like to encourage you to update Wikipedia with that information. To be clear, I'm not asking you to update the Monster Kid Radio Wikipedia page. We don't need that. What we do need is more information about, well, what we love out there on the internet. That whole boat sequence, and when the boat just kind of floats into the dock and... The doctors all think that maybe the crew died of plague along the way. It's an iconic – again, this movie is filled with so much that built, that defined horror mm-hmm. for really years is. to come. I mean, even now, we were talking about The Strain, the TV show that based on the novel by Del Toro. Yeah, Del Toro and Chuck Hogan, I think his name was. I've got the book. I've started it. I haven't finished it yet. I'm kind of in the middle of it, just working on it a little at a time. But I lo- this is my favorite scene. I love – like I said, I love the sequence with the boat. But Mm -hmm. there's still much more to come. I mean, it's not just that. I mean, if we don't get off the boat, then we don't get all the really cool shadow work. Yes. Oh, man. Definitely a a worthy entry in the German expressionistic movement, you know. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, the backgrounds, they're using a lot of real sets, whereas Caligari, it was a lot of fabricated sets. So in a way, it's grounded a lot more in reality to try to make it more of an impact but what's cool is the building even the buildings in this if you look at them they're all like tilted at weird angles it's like they're old and dilapidated but they're almost like tilted like like a set that would have been built for caligari so even though they are using existing sets for the most part of buildings even that is still kind of expressionistic looking you know it is. They did shoot some of this on a set, but a lot of it was shot on location. A lot of it was shot outside, which you just didn't do at the time. So to bring this crew out to shoot in multiple different countries, even, I mean, they didn't just shoot in Germany. And then to find these unique locations and to shoot them in such a way to make them look a little cockeyed, a little wonky here and there. And that documentary that I was talking about, they go out and they find some of these buildings. Some of these buildings are still standing. Hmm. And to show them and to see that 
some of them are virtually unchanged from the outside. It's just amazing and a little chilling, but amazing to see. Now, some of these buildings did not survive World War II. You know, there's a lot of bombing that took place that wiped out a few of the locations used for the film. But a lot of these were just existing churches and castles and warehouses. Uh, the warehouses that Orlock buys when he crosses the sea, the, the warehouses that he's buying, those yeah. were actual salt warehouses that were in use at the time. And those are still standing. I don't think they're being used for salt storage anymore, but those buildings are still there. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, that's just amazing to me. It was almost a hundred years ago, this movie was shot there. And wow, that's very cool. I know I will never get a chance to see them in person, but <laughs> I don't, I don't think monster kid radio has a budget to fly me over to Transylvania, but, or, or Germany, <laughs> excuse me. Well, either really, but <laughs> it's just cool to see. I'd love to listen to the those commentaries, and and I've got to get that Blu-ray for sure. So the one that you recommend is it a Region One? Uh, unfortunately, it's a it's a Region B because it is a UK release. Okay. So if you have a region free or a multi-region Blu-ray player, still it would be worth having for sure. Oh, I multiple reasons to have a multi-region <laughs> Blu-ray player. This is one of them. When Orlock gets over and begins stalking and hunting and and haunting, I guess basically Ellen. The stuff that's happening with the shadows here, when he's creeping up the stairs and all that, mm-hmm. it's just gorgeous. Yeah, the use of shadows in this is masterful, and it really is. So there's some real iconic images and some of the most striking images. The, the one where he's reaching for the doorknob and creeping up the stairs with his hands held in front of him, claw-like hands as it, as it slowly ascends the stairway. I mean, it's just amazing stuff. Claw-like, there it is again. He's an animal. He's not this sexy, you know, we're going to go out to the opera and fall in love kind of guy. He's a he's a monster. Yeah. He's going to kill you. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> it's fantastic. I love this movie. And I'm so glad that you wanted to talk about it because it gave me a chance to revisit it. I hadn't seen it in so long. Same here. And I was so glad to find that awesome version on Netflix of all places. You know, you wouldn't think when I saw that it was on Netflix, I thought, well, I'll watch it. It's you know, I wasn't expecting much. And then I saw it was that version and was just thrilled. I was like, yeah, all right, we're good to go. So my son watched it with me, and he's, he's a big fan of it and had a good time with it. That's awesome. Now, the score that is on the Netflix version is also the same one on the Blu-ray that I saw. But at one point, James Bernard did a score for the film. Hmm. The guy who did all those Hammer films did a score for Nosferatu. How cool is that? I'd love that, to hear that. Yeah, I would too. That that would be pretty interesting. That'd be really neat. Now, there's something that happens at the end of this movie, something that's kind of touched at the beginning of this movie, that was not part of the original Dracula novel, and that's that sunlight kills the vampire. Mm-hmm. And because of that, being in this film, I feel like that kind of informed vampire films for years. I mean – Sunlight Killing a Vampire was not in Dracula, but right. it's still part of the mythology that we all enjoy now, unless you know, you're reading some young adult novel set in Seattle <laughs> where they sparkle in the sun. Uh, uh, you yeah. know, sunlight is deadly to a vampire, and that comes from this. Yes, it does. Which, yeah. And perhaps that was drawn from mythology. Perhaps that was taken from, you know, again, their knowledge of superstitions. Perhaps that's where that came from. True. This movie was kind of progressive in a way in that it is the Mina character. What's her name? Ellen? When you think about it, in Dracula, the book, and in the film versions, usually it's a group of men. 
that killed Dracula. But in this, it's not. It's a woman. It's, it's she's able to do it on her own. She doesn't need the the frail woman. Doesn't need to be saved by a man. She's the one. She makes a sacrifice. She defeats the monster. In a, in a way, it's very ahead of its time. Oh, and I, I keep I brought up the movie earlier, and I, I hate to bring it up again, but they do play off that in Bram Stoker's Dracula that. Sabina character is the one that finally offs Dracula in that film. But yeah, in terms of the role of women in film and in story, she's the one that is responsible. I mean, she's the one that pulls the trigger and it's sure. very cool. She, this is, she thinks of this, this is her idea. She's not, you know, told to do this by any, there's no, there's no male guiding influence. I mean, she just realizes this is the only way I can do this. You know, I'm going to have to sacrifice myself and uh, it's pretty cool. It is very neat. So she lets him feed on her, which is the first vampire feeding on film. I mean, we actually see him lean down, and, and you don't see the claws go into the neck. It's not that gory, but you see his face down sucking on her neck, and he's crouched over her, and he's feeding on her, and he's he's just having a good time with it. You know, <laughs> He's all carried away. And <laughs> well, and there's this look on his face because he looks up almost looking at the camera when he lifts his head up, and there's this look of – ecstasy yeah really. there we go there's yeah. a good word to put it i was i was getting stuck on a word there that's that's the best way to put it there's this look of ecstasy and man oh yeah and then he 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 realizes the cock crows he realizes he's almost but he's almost it's almost too late but she grabs him and pulls him back down it's like no no, no. hey come here come here baby hey right here <laughs> you know it was, it's so good i mean he's just like he can't resist he can't help himself it's instinct until it is too late he jumps up he runs in front of the window which i guess he's just at that point he's not thinking straight but yeah. sunlight gets him zaps him in it's the too late. yeah yeah it's it's pretty good it's more i'd say it's more than pretty good <laughs> this is an awesome <laughs> movie with some great stuff happening in it i think the character of count orlock deserves a lot more attention uh, back in i think late 90s early 2000s an action figure company released an action figure, mm-hmm. uh, and I have one around here somewhere. Uh, the line was called Silent Screamers, and they had released a Caligari figure, full, a, a larger size figure of the Gollum, Nosferatu, Edison's Frankenstein, Jekyll and Hyde. They weren't the best action figures in terms of being able to pose them and, and manipulate them. Their articulation wasn't so great, but the sculpts were really cool, and they came with tons of little rats and things like that. And they that. did a Renfield. A, called it Knock Renfield. I That's think. right. That's right. Yeah. You can put the, the Renfield and the Nosferatu together. It's kind of like a little playset base that you can put up against each other. You're mm-hmm. absolutely right. I forgot about that guy. Yeah. I remember giving some of those away on the show back then. So. I had a comic book shop at the time that those came out, and I ordered a box thinking everybody's going to want to buy these, and I was the only one. <laughs> <laughs> so I still have mine around here somewhere. They also did a comic book. I think Do you came, have multiple versions of them? Uh, the one that turns dark in the sunlight? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so I he, do remember. That's right. He did turn a different color in the sunlight, didn't yep, he? Yeah. I remember that now. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I had one of those, too, but I totally forgot about that. Yep. And I thought they were cool, and... You know, there was also a comic book that had come out. I think Alex Ross did the cover art on it. And the comic wasn't that great, but it was just cool to see Nosferatu get a little play in pop culture, a little attention, even though nobody really bought the figures and the, well, the company. I mean, it, yeah. it is a cult icon now. I mean, it's shown up everywhere. I mean, I've, I've seen mentions of Nosferatu on SpongeBob SquarePants. <laughs> what? 
there's a little clip where just out of the blue, they go, Nosferatu, and they turn around, and he's like flipping a light switch on and off. <laughs> Have you not seen that? No. Yeah, I mean, he just pops up everywhere. I mean, he's, he's man, dude, he's not as much of a well-known as, as Dracula, but I think that image very definitely is. I mean, and then you, you got the, the whole 70s thing with Salem's Lot. That vampire oh. is exactly a reproduction of this one. Exactly, yeah. That, that movie scared me so much as a kid. That was one of the, the few movies that scared me. But that TV show, I was, remember watching it when it was on, and I had my little black and white TV, and I would watch it until I got so scared that I couldn't take it anymore, and I would flip the channels. And then a few minutes <laughs> later, I'd flip back to it, and I'd watch it until I just couldn't take it anymore, and I'd change it again. It's pretty good. Pretty good memory. Wow. Now, that was a TV miniseries at first, right? Yeah. That was a TV and, movie? And The Strain, to me, feels a lot like that. that I think it was a two-part. I, I think the 70s was a yeah. two Yeah. And that was directed by Toby Hooper, of all right. <laughs> So, I mean, how cool is that? Yeah. Good stuff. Oh, man. Yeah, I had totally forgotten about that until you mentioned it, but you're absolutely right. That vampire and that was the Straker, they call him? Mm-hmm. Is it Straker? Um, I can't remember. Sounds right, but I don't think that's right. Richard Straker is the person who moves into town, and Kurt okay. Barlow. Barlow. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, that's great. I want to go back and watch that again. God, I haven't seen that in forever. It is so good. So we talked about the lawsuit. So mm-hmm. I, want to, I want to bring that back up. I want to get back to that because the story is that Stoker's widow sued – and I don't know what the legal structure was for Germany and England and Ireland. I mean, just there are multiple countries here involved, that sort of thing. But the story is she sued for copyright infringement, basically. Right. And, right. you know, you mentioned something when we were kind of talking about the plot, that they were trying to get around saying it was really an adaptation of Dracula. That said, if you watch the movie, there is an original title card that says it's based on Dracula. Mm. So it's not like they're hiding it too well. <laughs> you yeah. Know? So they knew what they were doing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I, they definitely were. Oh yeah, doing an adaptation of it. I mean, there's no doubt about that. But. The story that I'm hearing, at least what I picked up in one of the audio commentaries, is that the intention was once Stoker's widow got involved, they wanted to not only get her on board and pay her some money for the rights, but they wanted to retitle the movie Dracula and mm. change some of the interstitials on the title cards so that it was the Dracula story. Well, she was holding out for a lot more money, and it didn't work out. And ultimately, there was the lawsuit and the court order that film prints get destroyed, that sort of thing. But realistically, are the German film studios going to pay attention to what some English court or Irish court tell them to do? So, of course, the movie survived (laughs) and was being shown, and in some cases shown as Dracula, with the title cards been in there anyway. Well, when Stoker got wind of that, she wanted to press charges again, sue or whatever, and... They came back and said, no, no, no. The lawsuit said, you know, we can't distribute the film as Dracula. We can't distribute the film at all. But this is a private showing, and you can't tell us what we can do in our own private home. Right. So, sorry. (laughs) I think it's great that the movie survived. I think we're really fortunate that it did because it is so iconic. I do, too. And how many prints there were originally, I mean, that just reading what this version said, they were able to pull from a nitrate. Work print from a work print from a nitrate print from a print in, in France from a print. I mean, maybe all those were made off of one print. I don't know. Makes me think that several prints survived. And at, at any rate, it, it is fortunate because could you imagine if this were a lost movie, 
that the cultural impact that we've oh, no longer yeah. have, you know, it would have changed horror cinema, I think, forever. Because without this, I don't think you have Dracula adaptations. I don't think you have Dracula on the stage in the way that we had it, which ultimately led to the Legosi film. Yeah, well, certainly things like Salem's Lot doesn't happen, and yeah, or at least not in the the way that it did, or The Strain even the way it did. You know, those things certainly, and, and numerous others were completely directly influenced by this film. So yeah. without it, that whole chain of inspiration disappears that's absolutely right now granted a little dr gang green might have been grateful for that because he was freaked out by watching salem slot on tv but long term (laughs) so many of murdow's films before nosferatu are lost i think almost all of them are so when we talk about the janice head the the jekyll and hyde movie it's gone you know there are some stills and things like that but we don't have that film either at all or we have bits of it there's another movie that he did with conrad veit called satanus which is kind of a three-part film in which conrad veit plays satan in three different time periods which i would love to see Mm -hmm. but again this is a movie from 1920 that if it survives at all it's not complete and that sort of thing it's so unfortunate he did one called the haunted castle i believe also yeah kind of a haunted house thing yeah so, yeah, he was definitely into it. Mm-hmm. And I would love to see some of these movies. It's really too bad. In that same audio commentary, uh, the film historian says that it's been estimated that about 50% of all movies before 1950 were lost. Wow. They're just gone. And when you start talking about the silent films, that number goes up dramatically. Because they were silver nitrate, which is an explosive. <laughs> so... You know, you, you don't see a lot of those just laying around. A lot of the film prints that were used to make this restoration of Nosferatu were taken from what they called safety prints, which are prints run off of the silver nitrate because the silver nitrate, you get it too hot, you spark something, a little bit of static electricity, it's going to catch fire. Mm-hmm. When I was in film school, I had a film instructor tell me a story about how when he was growing up, there were these kids in town that – had these big round things that looked like wheels that they would set on fire and roll down the street. And they thought it was funny and hilarious. And then years later, he realized what they were setting on fire and rolling down the street were film reels. Oh. And I was like, oh, my God, no. Could you imagine? <laughs> I, no, man, I can't. I, I miss, these are important pieces of artwork that need to be protected and restored. And I'm so glad this one, the Nosferatu, has a decent edition of it out there. Absolutely. Did you ever show it? Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. We, we ha- showed this one, hosted it and, and showed clips from it multiple times and hosted this one also. So, yeah, for sure. How is it hosting a silent film versus a film of sound? We had a lot of fun with it. The most recent time that we did it, I wound up talking to a group of musicians named Knox Arcana, and mm-hmm. we actually took their music and made our own score for it with their music for our parts my camera guy had at the time brian hickman has a really good looking nosferatu mask so dr gangrene interviews nosferatu which (laughs) we had fun with it because my parts were all i was talking but when he talked he just had title cards oh that's awesome (laughs) so we had a lot of fun with it but it's interesting i mean i don't know rating wise I don't think it pulled anywhere near the ratings that some of the modern movies that we hosted did. So, I mean, I don't think from that perspective it was as 
well received, but I just like showing the idea of broadcasting it all over Middle Tennessee was pretty cool. So I did it. <laughs> I was like, you know what? I'm doing it. That sounds awesome. I would love to see the uh, the interview at least because that just sounds fun. Yeah, uh, YouTube has started cracking down even on some of the public domain stuff. Man, yeah. you get these knuckleheads that are claiming that I got a claim the other day that I'm no longer able to monetize my copy of my hosting of the devil bat because someone was claiming they owned it. And I, so I, I contested it and, and, and won. They said, Oh yeah, never mind, You can, but I mean, that's just, this thing's happening constantly on YouTube. So it, it's a real pain. But so what I'm going to start doing is just, I'll just start putting my clips from the films up and that way I won't even run into any problems. So yes, I will stick that segment up so you can see it and be sure and send you the link. That sounds awesome. So you mentioned YouTube. I want to mention that before we wrap up. You're still doing the Vincent Price? Yes, the Fantastic Films of Vincent Price, going through the films from first to last of The Merchant of Menace. Last week's was Shock. Yes. And one of my favorites. This week is Dragon Wick. Very cool. Now, whenever you post those on Facebook, I try to post them as well and share the link over on the uh, Facebook page for Monster Kid Radio. But Appreciate just look up Dr. Gingrain on YouTube, really, because he's got the fantastic films of Vincent Price and then all sorts of other stuff that you've done over the years show up on YouTube as well. And while YouTube might be cracking down on people, it's still there for people to enjoy. So I think people need to check it out. If they aren't subscribing to your channel, they need to. They do need to, and I'm up to. <laughs> yeah, point, they do. <laughs> they do need to. I'm up to like 950 uh, subscribers at this point. When I get another 50, I'm going to do a giveaway of a Vincent Price box set. Oh, really? So I just need 50 more viewers. Come on, guys. I oh, mean, wow. subscribers. So yeah, we're almost there, and they've got a really nice box set out there that I'm going to give away. And to enter, they'll just have to number one be a subscriber and number two when i do the contest i'll just have to leave a comment on my um, page awesome so listeners if you use youtube look up dr gang green on youtube subscribe tell them monster kid radio sent you yep and then we'll do uh, a giveaway as soon as we get to that mark and at that point i'll announce hey this is the video leave me a comment below tell me your i'll probably ask tell me your favorite vincent price films probably what i'll do something like that and yeah. all they have to do to enter is just Leave a comment and mention your favorite price film. Well, man, we're going to have to have you back on the show down the line. I know at the very beginning of all this, it's like, it's been a while. And you're like, no, it's been House of Wax. It always feels too long before, you know, between appearances with you, man. I love having you on the show. I know. I wish we lived closer so we could hang out. Do we say that every time? Yeah. <laughs> it's true. This is true. We never get anything done is the thing. Well, I'm seriously considering Monster Bash next year. So Uh-oh. if you get if you make it back. I'm seriously considering going again for my, my own return visit as well. So hopefully if we do that, we'll get to hang out there. It's something that I definitely want to do. If we can get enough uh, support and make the finances happen, and Patreon and all that, I'm definitely looking to go next year. Can Monster Bash handle Dr. Gang Green and Monster Kid Radio at the same place? Mm, I don't know. We might crash Monster Bash. <laughs> there you go. All right, Larry, where can people find you online if they're not looking on YouTube? So just drganggreen.com? That's it, drgangreen.com. If you look me up on Facebook, I have a Facebook page there as well, uh, both a group and a page, as well as a personal. So, yeah, you can find me all over Facebook right. easily enough, too. Right on. Of course, you can always follow the link in the show notes over at monsterkidradio.net. There will be a link in the episode guide for this. And I think Dr. Gangreen's even got a permanent spot in our links section of the website. So go check that out. And, again, 
He is nominated for the Horror Host Hall of Fame 2015 in the category of New School Ghoul. Just go vote. Even if you don't vote for me, the other two entries in the New School Ghoul are, are A Ghastly Ghoul and Dr. Sarcophagi, who are both awesome guys. They're friends of mine, and especially Ghastly is just such an awesome guy, and he's been doing it for a long time, too. Um, and there's a lot of old older um, horror hosts that are on the ballot, including the one that I grew up with, Sir Cecil Creep, uh, Nashville's horror host with the most, who actually was syndicated nationally at one point. Oh, was he? He was. He was on the Nashville no- Network, which oh, was out cool. of um, Opryland, over at, um, which is no longer over there, um, was our theme park here in town. They have uh, the Grand Ole Opry is located right there. And he had left Channel 4, where he worked before, and has started working at TNN. And they revived the show on that network for a while. And that later became Spike TV. And then eventually... I, as well as a couple other horror hosts, hosted a movie called Santa's Sleigh on Spike TV. So it sort of comes full circle in that I was eventually sort of on the same network that he was on. <laughs> and, and that was the guy that you grew up with. He kind of influenced you a little bit. And don't you have like a little button or a patch? I have a patch on my lab yeah. coat that says yeah. Sir Cecil's Ghoul Patrol that I got in the Boy Scouts. <laughs> they did a, a meet and greet with him at this big event with thousands of kids. And I remember getting the patch there. And I remember seeing him vaguely. And I didn't really speak to him. I almost did, but I didn't. But I remember seeing him at the event. So I was pretty young at the time. <laughs> <laughs> well, the Horror Host Hall of Fame is something that's done every year. I believe they announce it at Horror Hound, don't they? They do. Yeah. They do. And the way it works is they induct five hosts every year into the Hall of Fame. I think that's right. And there's also a category for, I can't remember. Let's see. It's something like uh, behind the screams where they, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's things that influenced horror hosts. Right. And so you can vote for that as well. There's a few things on the ballot there. The the American Scary documentary on horror hosts is up this year. Which is great. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good one. So go check that out. Uh, if you follow Larry on Facebook or Dr. Gangrene on Facebook, he posted the graphic, and I'll post it somewhere as well at monsterkidradio.net so people can see the ballot and learn how to vote for your favorite horror host, uh, traditional classic horror host, as well as the new school ghouls, of which... Yeah, there's some good, the classic hosts, there's some good ones on there. John Stanley hasn't gotten in yet. He, oh, really? He get in. Uh, Sir Cecil Creep. I think Rhonda Shear. do you remember her, Up All yeah, Night? Yeah, yeah she's on there night. this year. Yeah. Yep. She kept me up all night. Tell you what, boy, she was smoking. But, yeah, there's some good ones on there. (laughs) Count Frightenstein, the Canadian host, Billy Van, he's on there. there, There's some good ones. Very cool. Well, people need to check that out and support their favorite horror hosts. Larry, thank you for supporting Monster Kid Radio from the very beginning. I really appreciate your, your encouragement and your willingness to be on the show to talk about movies like Nosferatu. Dude, you do good work, and you're helping keep these movies alive, just like with Scott going back and rewatching House of Wax, which I think is awesome, Scott. I'm glad you <laughs> dug it, and I hope that that continues and that you're on the air for many years to come. And, hey, all you guys out there, Patreon subscribers, keep the money flowing. Let's keep uh, Monster Kid Radio on the air. I appreciate that, man. Thanks a lot. Thanks. been fun. Dr. 
Dr. Gang Green can be found at drganggreen.com or follow the link in the show notes to get to his YouTube channel and check out all of his videos. His Vincent Price series is awesome. Now, this conversation was recorded several weeks ago, so there may have been some changes to his YouTube channel since then. We still don't have a thousand subscribers, though. So if you want in on the opportunity to win this Vincent Price box set, you got to subscribe to his channel on YouTube. He told me off mic what some of the movies in this set. Are. It's not House on Haunted Hill or the public domain stuff. It's a Vincent Price collection, and some of the titles in that collection are awesome. So go subscribe to Dr. Gang Green. Tell him we sent you, and have a good time. You'll have to forgive me. There is no installment of the Countdown to Lugosi Ween. This episode, we're going to do a double-sized installment of the Countdown to Lugosi Ween next week. Just ran out of time, and I want to give you guys and gals the best piece possible, so I didn't want to rush it. I think Bela would understand. That does bring us to the end of Monster Kid Radio. I am recording this Wednesday night before I'm about to head out to the Joy Cinema and Pub here in Tigard, Oregon, where they are showing Jesse James meets Frankenstein's daughter. I didn't have a chance to really put together an official Monster Kid Radio crash page, so I don't know who I'm going to meet out there, if anybody. Fingers are crossed that there's going to be at least one Monster Kid Radio listener out there. I am going to record the event because I'm introducing the film. I'm excited about it, but a little nervous because it turns out I've not seen Jesse James meets Frankenstein's daughter all the way through. So uh, I'll have some notes with me while I'm introducing the movie. Anyway, I'm going to record that, and we're going to bring that to you on a future episode of Monster Kid Radio. I'm not sure what's coming up next week. I know we've got that. I know we've got some recordings that may or may not have come from the last Monster Bash, the one that just happened a couple of weeks ago. It was very Hammer-centric. I couldn't make it. But some listeners and supporters of Monster Kid Radio did. I'm talking about Scott and Tracy Morris. The Grand Poobahs over at Disney Indiana. Scott's my co-host over at 1951 Down Place. Well, they were there. They took some recordings. We're going through them, and we're going to see if maybe we can play some of those on this show down the line as well. i got to work that out with Scott, of course. And I will tell you that some of the recordings that he took are interviews with actresses from Hammer Films. Those will appear in future episodes of 1951 Down Place. So go check that out. 1951downplace.com Your home for Hammer Films discussion on the web. Later this month, Scott, Casey Criswell, the other co-host, and myself will be talking about the movie Curse of the Werewolf. That'll be coming out end of October, beginning of November. So you have plenty of time to get caught up on that show if you're not already a listener. Hope to see you guys and gals on Facebook or wherever. Drop me a line if you want to talk about anything you've heard on the show or just listen to the Live 365 channel between now and next week here on Monster Kid Radio. And we'll see everybody in five days or so. Monster Kid Radio is a registered service mark of Monster Kid Radio, LLC. All original content of Monster Kid Radio by Monster Kid Radio, LLC is licensed under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives, 3.0 unported license. Of course, that doesn't apply to the song Blood Drinkers Only. That belongs to Beware the Dangers of a Ghost Scorpion, one of my favorite bands that I've discovered since launching Monster Kid Radio. You can find them over at ghostscorpion.bandcamp.com. Blood Drinkers Only is on the album Blood Drinkers Only, and if you buy it from them over on their website, let them know that Monster Kid Radio sent you. Talk to everybody next week. <laughs>